Amen. God's been very gracious and very faithful to every single one of us. And I'm going to embarrass somebody to death here. Where are you, Jack? I want you to come here. And I want that guy red, with a red beard next to you to come along, too. All right? Come on ahead. Come on up here. And uh, we have, this is when I usually recognize, thank you for coming to First Baptist Church. We have visitors, and we're so glad to have you. And if you're online watching by Facebook or, or YouTube, we're glad to have you. This young man right here just finished what in biblical terminology is called Hades Week. <laughs> Congratulations. Let's man, all right? All right. Now, for, for, for all you whiners out there, he just got through Hell Week, and he's in God's house today. So, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we get a hangnail or something. I, I can't go to church. I got a little hangnail. And this gentleman right next to him is his father. Not too proud, I don't think, huh? And uh, also pastors, pastors in Wichita, Kansas. So let's welcome them both, and God bless you guys. Again, congratulations, Jack. God bless you. Good to have you I'm going to ask you to go ahead and be seated. If you are a guest, first-time visitor at First Baptist Church, in front of you is in the seat back is one of these registration cards called a connection card. Please take a minute, fill that out, and uh, we would love to have a record of your visit here. On the back, if you have prayer requests, if you have questions, go ahead and fill that out. We'll get that answered as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, teenagers are meeting today on the patio where it's uh, probably... Uh, not as cold as it was in the surf this week, so uh, they ought to be able to make it just fine. Uh, military meal will be after the services today. If you're in the military, you're welcome to stay and eat lunch for free. There is a free lunch available at First Baptist Church. Uh, I was going to mention it's St. Agat Day in France. We got our own St. Agat here, so we're, 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 we're ready today. Monday, we're having the carpets cleaned. I say that because after the service day, usually after communion service, I just I want us to leave with that fresh in our minds. But we need to ask some help from you guys, and we need to stack uh, the chairs and take them to the patio after services today so that uh, we can go ahead and clean the carpet on uh, Monday morning, hopefully, and then try to get them back off the patio in the afternoon so Young Life can meet uh, tomorrow night. Also, uh, unusual announcement, we have a four-drawer file cabinet. If anybody needs one, first one to get to me, it's, it's been around for a while, but it's sanctified. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it was in the uh, secretary's office for many, many years, and uh, it's, it works just fine. We needed to get one that would lock. So if you need it, please let me know. You can have it. Uh, next Sunday, the Life of Christ presentation at the table. Starting a new series going to be talking about going through the life of Christ chronologically of where he walked, what he did when he walked there, uh, what happened, what miracles took place, when and where, and kind of try to unfold the life of Christ in that way. And that's starting out with, we didn't start with the birth because we just got through December, right? In the Christmas time, we talk about the birth, talk about the shepherds, talk about the wise men and all that. So we're going to pick up from that point, and it'll be the presentation of Christ at the temple. I guarantee you there will be some information in there that you've never heard preached on before. I've never preached on it before. Some of it's going to be a little difficult to circumnavigate, but uh, yeah, if you know about the presentation, you know what I'm talking about. Then, Women of Resolution study on Fridays is full. I do have an appointment with a men's 
Men of Resolution leader tomorrow to see about the possibility of having it here at First Baptist Church for the guys that are interested. Uh, at the Regal Rancho in Del Rey on the 22nd, which I believe is a Wednesday at 6 p.m., uh, the Jesus Revolution movie is going to be shown in a screening, uh, and that is some. I know, I know. Bo and Margie were involved in some of that. Terry involved in some of that. Probably some other was here that I don't know. Uh, God did some amazing things out here uh, with the Jesus Revolution. Uh, so this is a kind of. I don't know if it's a documentary or a movie about it. I'm not sure which. But we have free tickets. You need to. That's one thing you can do with this. You can put your name on there. We'll give two free tickets to, per family. Uh, give these to Julie, and she will, she will then go ahead and put your name on the list. Be the, we have 30 tickets is all we have, so uh, you need to see her right away. My, bulletin article, <clears throat> Supreme Commitment. Definition for commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or an activity. Supreme means superior to all others. <clears throat> so says the dictionary. These two definitions combined describe what our dedication level to our God ought to be. Jesus said in no uncertain terms, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6, According to Jesus, seeking the kingdom ought to be first, above and before all else. Yet the most insignificant things that have no lasting value often come before our holy obligation to seek after God. On the way to church last week and all week long, uh, there was a sign uh, warning of traffic delays because of a Valentine's Day run this Sunday morning. My response, what? A Valentine's Day run on February the 5th? That's even the wrong day, you know? What is that? Maybe, maybe it's Valentine's Day in France. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Valentine's Day is on a Tuesday, February 14th. If a Valentine's Day run is so important, have it on Tuesday. Don't demote the Lord's Day. Don't uh, put first the run over worship. Now, I, I, it was by the time I came over today, everybody was gone, so presumably they had time to go home and change and go to church. So if you ran the, ran the Valentine's Day run, I'm not against running. I'm just against seeking first a Valentine's run instead of the Lord's house. God and our service of him and our worship of him should not be a casual thing. It is a holy thing. It is time we got serious about what is serious to God. So my endeavor today is to, is to plead with you to have supreme commitment to the God who loved you supremely and gave his son on the cross for our sins. Let's stand together and worship the Lord. Bye. 
Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are invited. You're absolutely necessary for every breath we take. So God, we pray that you would be in this place, that you would fill each heart, each life. Most of all, that you'd fill us with the love of the Holy Spirit of God and the love that God the Father had in sending his only begotten Son, the love the Son had in dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, use this service to glorify your name. Bless your words. We pray. Thank you for these songs of worship and praise. Lord, give us attention. Crowd the things of the world out of our minds right now. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you. you. may be seated. Thank you, praise team, so much for that. In the auditorium, if you turn to Daniel chapter 3, and while you're turning to Daniel chapter 3, I'm going to ask all the boys and girls who would like to, to come down here to the front. We've got something we want to give you, and, uh, but first you've got to listen to me talk for a minute. So that's the deal on that, okay? No freebies without the preacher first exercising his gift of speaking to you. How you boys and girls doing today? Good. How's everybody? Good. Good. All right. How many of you know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Does anybody know? Do you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Ellie? Do you know Shadrach? I sent this off the outline to the secretary and or to the praise team, and, and it came across as Shamrach, uh, Shadrach, and yeah, Meshach and Abednego. So I don't know about Shamrach, but I do know that you know what happened 2,600 years ago. That's older than your mom and dad. 2,600 years ago, there was a king, and he set up a golden statue. You know how tall it was? How tall? It was bigger than China. It was 90 feet tall and nine feet across, and it was made of gold. And, and he said, every time you see this, this idol and whenever you hear this special music that my praise team is going to play, he said, I want you to bow down to this golden idol. And these three young men from Israel, same Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we can't do that because our parents taught us that God said we're not to bow down to any idols, we're not to worship any other gods other than the one true and living God. And so they played the music and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down. And you know what the king did? He got a big furnace and he built a big fire and he said, I'm gonna throw you three boys in that fire if you don't fall down and worship me. And they said, you know what, king, if that's what you got to do, you just do what you got to do, but we're not going to worship you. And so the king threw them in the furnace. And you know what happened? Did they burn up? No, they did not burn up because God preserved them in the fire. And he, they came out and the ropes were burned off and they lived happily ever after. And you know what? It's always, 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 always right to obey God. So don't ever worship anybody but the true and the living God, all right? You ready to pray? No? You want me to tell another story? No? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these boys and girls and pray that you would help them to grow up to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Lord, help them to stand true and firm in the word of God. Bless these teachers as they, as they pour their lives into these 
young minds, God, I pray that you would uh, give them the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. amen. Now, before you go to your class, Miss Pat has something for you. So go ahead and pick up one of these. These are firemen helmets. Oh, yeah. In case you get cast into a fiery furnace, you have your own fire. Hey, wait a minute. We need a fireman helmet here. You, huh? Do you want one? Yeah. No? Okay. There you go. All right. Go ahead and go to your class now. There you go. Thank you. You just never know. All right, for those of you who may not know or be aware of it, this is our Commitment Sunday at First Baptist Church, and uh, when I, this is when I, as your pastor, ask you to commit your time, talents, and treasures to the Lord and to the First Baptist Church for the coming year. In preparation for this marriage, this message, not this marriage, this message, had one of those at Centennial Park on Friday, but this is a, this is a message. Uh, I looked up biblical examples of commitment, and I, I found and remembered, of course, the widow lady who Elijah said, make me a cake, and I'm going to eat it, and she said, well, I only have enough, enough ingredients for one cake, and he said, well, make it for me first. That's why I know he's a Baptist, <laughs> Baptist preacher, uh, and said, make me one first, and God will bless you, and what happened was she obeyed his command, uh, and she was able to make a cake for it, gave it to him, and then God... Uh, allowed the oil and the meal to remain coming and filling. It was a miracle, but be, because the widow was uh, willing to be committed, uh, she got to see that miracle. Peter walked on the water. Oftentimes, people will be kind of judgy about Peter and say, you know what, he, he had weak faith. He began to sink. He, he Lord, help me. I, I, my, question, my answer to them is, how much water have you walked on lately? Uh, how, many, how many steps have you taken on the surf out there and other than uh, Jack, maybe? Uh, no, nobody. Uh, Moses kept confronting Pharaoh, even though it got to the point where Pharaoh says, if I see your face again, I'm going to kill you. And yet he kept on confronting Pharaoh. David, without hesitation, went down to the valley. Even ridicule from his own family and, and his own uh, people uh, didn't stop him from going down into the valley and facing Goliath against all odds. Paul requested to die before Caesar. He was not afraid to appear before Caesar. Jesus endured the cross and was crucified. There were these three young men we talked about with the children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is another one of my favorite stories. And we see the trial in Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And the trial has to do with bowing or burning. So we see the edict here. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, set it up on the plain of Dura and the province of Babylon. And he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. 
So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Ah, but there's a glitch in the king's edict here and his plans, and that is because of commitment of the three Hebrew children. Uh, In verses 17 and 18, if we are thrown, listen to these guys, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But they don't stop there. That sounds like dedication to me, but they don't stop there. They say, but even if he doesn't rescue us, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods nor worship the gold statue you have set up. And King Nebuchadnezzar was infuriated. He was so angry. In verse 19, he was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Have you ever noticed when people are really angry, their face gets all out of whack? And King Nebuchadnezzar was like, and he was distorted with rage, and he commanded It wasn't enough that the furnace was burning hot. He said, now heat it up seven times hotter than it's ever been heated before. And he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So these strong men, these great soldiers that he chose, tied the Hebrew children up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed, in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, listen to this, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in there. I've heard it explained before. Well, they didn't burn up because it wasn't really that hot, denying that there was a miracle that took place. Well, either way, there's a miracle. If it wasn't that hot, how did these mighty men of God burn up who were throwing them into the fire? I mean, you, got, you can't have, one or the other of them is a miracle, and I happen to believe what God's word says. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we cast three men uh, into the fire? And, and they said, yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, oh, and the fourth one looks like who? The Son of God. Fourth one looks like, now, these three Hebrew children didn't didn't bow or burn. They didn't do either one. They, They didn't know they wouldn't burn. They just knew they wouldn't bow because they were supremely committed. They put their lives on the line. They were willing to go and face death if necessary to be able to obey the commandment that God had given them in not bowing down, worshiping any idol or any other God. Put yourself in their sandals for a minute. The edicts given by the king, the president, I mean, that wouldn't happen here. Hopefully, it would never happen here. But if our president issued an edict that, you know, you have to bow down to a, uh, an idol somewhere and, and, and pay homage to that idol, maybe an idol of Fauci, <laughs> maybe not, uh, no, but anyhow, uh, and, and if you didn't, you were going to be disposed of. You were going to be burned up. And so the choice you would have was bow or burn. Have you ever been burned? I would think that would be a horrible way 
to die? Have you ever seen someone who's been horribly burned and, and visited them in the hospital? It's, it's a terrible thing. Um, and yet these three young men were willing to die by burning, being burned alive because of their commitment to the Lord. Today, I'm not asking you to walk into a furnace heated up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. I ask you to be faithful in your attendance, faithful in serving some ministry capacity, faithful in your giving. I'm asking that every member be a minister, every single one of you, not just the preacher, not just the secretary, not just the trustees. I'm asking every single one of you who count First Baptist Church as your church to have some kind of ministry. Will you? Why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do what they did? Well, first of all, because they were different. Here's some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they said to the king. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. They were different because they had convictions. We live in a day and age when everything's just kind of preference-based. No real convictions, no real dependence or firm convictions founded upon the word of God. Convictions are different from preferences and that convictions are worth dying for. Preferences are not. Uh, I've always said, you know, we, and thank God we have a real good unity here. But when we got ready to, for example, do the carpet here uh, several years ago, um, do you know churches have had splits and division over the color of carpet? Well, it needs to be red for the blood. No, it needs to be blue because of heaven. No, it needs to be black because the world's in sin. But one day it'll be dry. So we got all the colors in it, every single one of them. <laughs> Little do you realize, this is like a wordless book right here. You can, you can, you can lead someone to the Lord with one of these carpet panels. If you... <laughs> I don't care what color. I don't care if it's purple and yellow polka dotted, as long as people are coming in, walking out of having seats and coming forward and surrendering their lives and giving themselves over to God. I, I don't care what color the carpet, I don't care what color the chairs are. I don't care. I did pick that color, but I, I don't care what color they are. The convictions and preferences, they're different. And these young men had been taught correctly. In Exodus chapter 20, Moses wrote on the second uh, and Moses prepared the tablets, the second set of tablets, and God wrote these words, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down before them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And yet anything we put between us and him becomes a, a God with a small g. They were faithful to their God even in a foreign land. Hey, by the way, you, you sailors, you people who get on ships and go across the seas, you may be seven or 8,000 miles away from home. God knows exactly where you are. None of your family may, be, may be see what you're doing, but God knows exactly what you're doing. And that's why it's important, whether here or in Bahrain or, or, or in, in South Africa or wherever you might be, to, to realize that God's eyes are on you, God knows what's going on, and your convictions ought to be just as strong in those faraway ports as they are right here in San Diego when you're with your family and in your church. They were faithful to their God. They had character. They were like Jesus, righteous in a sinful world, light in a dark planet, they lived a different lifestyle than the world, and so should we. 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Our life or time, that's how we measure life, our time is not our own. Our gifts and talents and abilities are not, they don't belong to us. Our money is not really ours. We are conduits of what God gives to us. You say, well, no, I earn everything I have. Well, who gives you the job to be able to earn it? Who gives you the intellect to be able to do it? Who gives you the ability to get up in the morning and to go to the job? Who provides, who makes it possible for you to earn money and do whatever it is you do to be able to have money to begin with? It's God. We're conduits. And we're to share our lives, our gifts, and our money with others. These three young men were different. Are we? Are we just like everybody around us? Secondly, they were daring. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. We are, and, and King James says, we are not careful to answer you. Now, it sounds like in today's vernacular, we're not being very careful. We're kind of being, you know, loosey-goosey here, we're, but that's not what it means. Not being careful. I'm not concerned and overwhelmed with cares. I'm not going to have to worry about this. I'm not going to be plagued with anxiety trying to figure out what to do. We, we are not careful to answer you. We don't need to think about it. We're just telling you we're not going to bow. Do you remember the changes that took place in your life when you came to Christ? I often tell people I got saved when I was eight years old. So I had to quit stealing hubcaps, except I never stole hubcaps. When you get saved when you're a child, there's the blessing there, but there's also, uh, it makes it a little difficult. You're not as deep into sin. But I, I had my own sins as an eight-year-old, and there needed to be some changes that take place. But what happened with me in my testimony is I got saved in First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois, and then we moved to a little town south of there called Crete, Illinois. And in Crete, there was no gospel preaching church at that point in time. There was, there was a couple of other churches that talked about social issues and uh, talked about being good and good works and, I mean, things like that. But they didn't talk about being born again by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I went to a particular church because my friends went there, and it was kind of like a social club. I grew up, therefore, as a babe in Christ from the time I was eight years old until I was about a sophomore in high school. There really wasn't a lot of spiritual growth in my life. So one of the jobs I had in the summertime uh, in, in high school, my later high school years, and in the first two years of college, was at a steel processing plant called Trim Steel in Chicago Heights, Illinois. And I lived with my aunt and uncle while I was working there, because my parents had moved to another, another town further away, and I wanted to work in this particular job, made pretty good money. And so my uncle was a Ham's Beer distributor, and so he gave me his work shirts to work at the steel processing plant. So I had, I had these blue work shirts with this beautiful embroidered patch about this big that said, Ham's, land of sky blue water. Some of you know too well where that came from. You know too much about that. And so I got a nickname. Want to know what my nickname was? Hams. Your preacher <laughs> had a nickname, Hams. Well, in my sophomore year of college, 
I got called to preach in a little church, not nearly as many people as here. We had probably about 30, 35 people. We had Samsonite folding chairs. We had tiles on the floor. It had to be rearranged after each service because they kept popping up and moving around. Big old preacher from Alabama preached the gospel. And I got on conviction and surrendered my life to ministry. That summer, I went back to work at Dream Steel. I had the same shirts, but I had cut the embroidery work off the back. They said, what happened to the Ham's land of sky blue water? I told them I surrendered my life to preach. So I got a new nickname. You know what it was? Preacher. It's been that ever since. That's, that's been, my, been my nickname. That was a small thing, but that had to change. That had to change. Do people even know that you're a professing Christian? Think about this. If you were hauled into court and accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? The Christian walk should be a daring walk. There are slings and arrows. There are fiery darts. There are valleys of death to traverse. There are powerful enemies. But we have a more powerful God. We're in a war, people. We are absolutely in a war. Spiritual warfare is real. Got a call this week. A woman believing she was demon, somehow influenced, possessed, whatever, talked to her, counseled with her. There are real demons. You know, demons are not just in third world countries. They operate differently here. You know why? My theory is, my theory is because the United States of America at least was founded upon scriptural principles in so, and godly principles, I should say, theistic uh, belief in theism and we're, we're created by Almighty God. I mean, the, a belief at least in that. And, and even though we've never been truly a Christian nation, we have had a Christian influence on this nation and that's eroding and it's going away since 1960 when God was kicked out of the schools, the Bible reading was kicked out of the schools, having say the Pledge of Allegiance was kicked out of the schools, and where there is a vacuum, stuff gets sucked in. And so we have, we have demon influence in this country. We certainly do. So we're in a war. We got to fight. We, we, we're different. We ought to be different. We, we are daring. We ought to be daring. And thirdly, they were dedicated. And again, if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, they said, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your, from the, your power, your majesty. But even if it doesn't, that's what I love about this. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. You know what they were saying? Are we clear? Do you understand what I'm you understand what we're saying to you, Nebuchadnezzar? You may be thinking, well, that's fine. It worked for them, but it didn't work for me. My marriage is gone. My job is gone. My child is gone. My health is gone. It's a nice story, preacher, but it didn't work for me. 
The point is, commitment says, I'm going to do this or believe this or act this way no matter what the result is. It's the whole point. They were like Job who say, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. My kids are dead. My flocks are gone. My wealth is evaporated. My influence in the town is nothing. I just want you to know, God, even if you kill me, I'm going to trust you. Man, I love that. They were like Jesus in the garden when he prayed, Lord, if, if, it, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What cup was he talking about? The crucible of being nailed to the cross. Father, if it's possible, let this, I don't want this to happen. I, that was his humanity. That was his deity enrobed in humanity. That was the human part of him saying, it, it, it repels me and it repulses me to think about being nailed to the cross, to have the load of sin upon my shoulders, the load of the sin of this world upon my shoulders. Lord, oh God, Father, I've been with you forever and will be with you forever. Please, if it's, not, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And had it passed from him, we'd still be in our sins and on our way to hell. Nevertheless, mm, nevertheless, not as I will, he said, but as you will. Are we to that point where we say, Lord, what I'm going through, please let it, let it, let it pass by. But, but if not, Lord... Your will be done. Listen to this carefully. If we are only committed when we know the outcome will be favorable for us, then we're not really committed. Commitment is total surrender to God, nothing less. They were different, they were daring, they were dedicated, and last of all, they were delivered. Verse 23 Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and said, didn't we tie up three men, throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the burning furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Come here. So they stepped out of the fire, and the high officials and officers and governors and advisors crowded around them and saw, look, it's not enough that they weren't consumed in the flame. It's not, you know, when God does something, he really does it right. Not enough that they weren't consumed in the flame. The fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. I can't barbecue a hamburger without having my eyebrows singed. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what the deal is. They were in a furnace, heat up seven times hotter than it ever been before. The guards, big burly guys who threw them into the furnace were consumed by the heat of the fire and they didn't have a single hair on their head that was singed. And their clothing wasn't scorched. 
they didn't even smell smoke. That's the other thing when I'm barbecuing. Smoke always chases me. I can run in circles. The, sur- the smoke will go around in circles. I'm, I, it's the weirdest thing in the world. <clears throat> what a deliverance. Well, well, it, it, we could stop with Jesus was with them. <coughs> That's all we'd have to say about that, and it'd be what a deliverance. Jesus was with them in his pre-incarnate state. Oh, by the way, only the ropes were burned away so that they were unbound. Did you catch that word, unbound? There's liberty in Christ. People say, oh, if I become a Christian, there's so many things I can't do. Well, what kind of things do you want to do? There's liberty in Christ. They didn't smell like smoke, not a hair of singe. God's miracles are super extraordinary. And you know why this happened? You know why this happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Because before they were cast into the furnace, they were already on fire with a different kind Another kind of fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit of God. They were burning with commitment in the Holy Spirit, unafraid, unashamed, unalarmed, unapologetic, no retreats, no regrets. They were committed. Our commitment cards today that are in the seatbacks in front of you ought to say at the very top, wanted men and women who are on fire, fire of God. So will you be? such a member. I want to be that kind of preacher. Are you ready to stop playing and start serving? We need to quit fooling around. We need to get saved. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're not sure if you breathe your last breath this afternoon and we're in eternity, if you're not certain you'd be in heaven, you need to make that commitment today. If, you, if you're not baptized, what are you waiting for? We'll fill up the baptistry. We'll heat it up won't get real warm yet until we get the new heater, but it'll, it'll, it'll heat up. It'll be better than the surf, I promise you that. Not a member, if this is your church, if this is your church, why don't you join? Get committed. Join a ministry team. Sign up for something. Help out with these kids, these precious kids. Be on fire for the Lord. Surrender. Hey, some of you people, some young guys and gals, you need to maybe surrender your lives to ministry. Full-time ministry, like I did, 19 years old, walking down that tile aisle in that used to be, it was an old Baptist mission that used to be a pizza parlor before that, and it was, before that it was a bar called the Whistle Stop. When my building became a Christian, it had to change too. It even changed its name, you know? It went from the Whistle Stop uh, to, to the Money Missionary Baptist Church. Maybe God's calling you to ministry. David went to well, at least one year, same college I went to in Springfield, Missouri. Then how many years in Hiles Anderson? Three years, Hiles Anderson were one of my favorite preachers in the whole world. Pastored for a lot of years. One day they had, was it 100,000 in attendance on, on the big day? 100,000 attendants, 3,000 baptized one day. Now, the next week, I think it went back down to kind of like 24,000 people. That, that's what they had every week, 24,000 people. So, so some critics, some critics, because you always got to have those, right? Well, yeah, he might have had 100,000 people, but the next week, they only had 24,000 people. So Brother Hiles said, 
I'm going to give you the secret of how to do that. So some people got together. He said, first of all, you got to get 24,000 every Sunday. The critics weren't running that all put together. The power of God, giving yourself to God. Maybe God's got a Jack Hiles in here. Maybe God's got a Billy Graham in here. Maybe God's got a great missionary right here in our midst. Maybe God's calling you and surrender to him. Please surrender to him. Give your life up to him. Be supremely committed to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This commitment card, I'm going to ask you to take one from the seat back in front. If you just look at it with me. And it says, I want to be good managers of every aspect of my life and our lives for 2023 if you're a couple. Realizing that desire alone is not enough, we therefore want to commit to the following for the coming year. I'm not asking you to commit for the rest of your life doing something. I'm asking you to make a commitment for one year. To be baptized by immersion, you need to do that. To be a member of First Baptist Church, if God's leading you. If you want to commit your time Reading God's word daily, that's something we talked about in our men's breakfast yesterday. We had a great breakfast yesterday. Talked about the importance and necessity of being in the word of God every single day. Praying daily. Attending church on Sundays. If you're, if you're willing to do those things, I want you to commit to that. I or we want to commit my talents to the Lord, children's ministry helpers first on this list because it's probably our greatest need right now. We have a couple, two or three people that are so committed and a lot of people who need to be committed to help them out so that hopefully there'll be once a week, once a month rather, that you would be in there. Sound computer booth, guys, I, I appreciate what they do so much. You, you know, one of the things that you need to hear, you need to be able to hear the gospel, right? And they control that and they control the screen here and I appreciate them. They, they need some help all the time because there are people coming and going. Uh, praise team, music ministry, this was a full stage today. I'll tell you what, that's great. But see, share about that. Check that if you're interested. Maintenance help. Christian, where are you? Yeah, I got your name. I, I need to get, you need to give me your phone number so I can get a hold of you now, okay? All right. I promise you we'll give you some stuff to do if you're able to help out like he volunteered to do yesterday. Hospitality, VIP. Uh, Gary's out front there. You know what? We, I want people circulating, just making people feel welcome. Look for people you don't know. You're an ambassador of one, an ambassador of goodwill, not just from First Baptist Church, but from the Lord Jesus Christ to make people feel welcome. I, have you ever walked into a church that, a strange, maybe you're on vacation, we used to go to churches all the time on vacation, and you walk in and you sit down and people go, <laughs> yeah, makes you feel real warm and cuddly, doesn't it? But wouldn't it be great if somebody visited and you go over and you, you shake their hand or give them a fist bump or whatever and you say, hey, welcome to First Baptist Church. You say, well, I might offend them. Well, you probably won't. If you do, I'm sorry. Hospitality. I want to commit my or our treasure. I will begin giving offerings systematically. I will begin tithing that Malachi chapter 3, we talked about that briefly one time. I feel like I've been remiss. I didn't go into like a Baptist preacher's message on giving this month, this year. I will be giving offerings above the 10%. If, if God so blessed you, I will be giving to missions above the tithe. 
This is a commitment card. This just says, this is what I intend to do. I understand. Maybe things will come up and maybe things will. I understand that. But if you would make a commitment to God, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to, ask you to fill this out in a moment. Praise team, if you would come. Uh, and, and here's what we're going to do for our invitation this morning. First of all, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're not sure you're saved, I want you to come and see me. Or if you're a lady, come and see Pat. Or Rachel's in the very back. Um, I don't think Ryan's here today. Um, Fitz is right over here. Guys, right in the middle. Raise your hand, Fitz, so people know where you are. If you're not certain you're going to heaven when you leave this life, you need to come see one of us. before. That's the most important. That's more important than anything else. We don't want your... We don't want you up here. We don't want you... Your tithes, we want your soul. We don't want your money. We want everything about you. <laughs> it's your whole life, body, soul, spirit. We want it all to be in heaven forever and ever and ever. But if, if, you, if God's speaking to you about some of these areas, would you please take a few moments? They're going to sing. You're going to pray together as husband and wife. You're going to look at this. You're going to do whatever. And then I'm going to indicate in just maybe three or four minutes, four or five minutes, I want you to come up. Take your commitment card and put it right here. There's already one here. You can fold it or not fold it, but put it in. That's going to be our invitation. So in a moment, I'm going to have you stand and do that. But right now, they're going to go ahead and sing. free to just walk up here, put it in the basket, kind of like an altar right there, a place where we commit to the Lord for the coming year. And we'll take as long as we need.
can please be seated. If you still have commitment cards, feel free to come ahead. If you have not received the elements, the unleavened bread and the juice for communion, and you would like to, um, we have Gary in the back, we have Bo down here in the front, and uh, please raise your hand up, hold it up real high, and we'll get these elements to you as quickly as we possibly can. Rob, would you come and get a tray and I'll go up this side right here? And anybody, just raise your hands if you're on this side. Yeah, keep them up. Yeah, all right, thank you. Thank you. May God bless the First Baptist Church this year with outpouring of the commitments that have been made already. If you did not yet get your card filled out and you would like to turn one in, absolutely, you can do that anytime. In the very back, Rob, still three or four hands back there. Anybody else? Anybody else? I thought this would be a good place to pause in your singing, folks, because his wounds have paid my ransom. Based upon the feast of the Passover, which is one of the annual feasts that Israel was to observe, they took the unleavened bread at that last supper table and Jesus broke it and gave it to his disciples. In doing that, he said, this is my body broken for you. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, occupied a body of flesh and bone, just like you and I have, only without sin. So the unleavened bread, based upon the Passover bread, was that bread that was made without yeast, and yeast being a type of sin. None of us are sinless. There's only been one, and that is the Son of Almighty God. So he broke that bread, unleavened, speaking of his sinlessness, and said, take, eat, this is my body. After he gave thanks, so would you bow with me? Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the gift of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ, whose body endured excruciating pain, endured the weight of my sins, and took them away from me as far as the east is from the west, put them in the depths of the deepest sea, never to be remembered again by you. And we thank you for that. Thank you for his precious body. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, take eat. He also took the cup, the cup which had the juice squeezed from the grape, so the blood of Christ was squeezed from his body with the crushing weight of the sins that he bore on the cross. There's a song talks about his spilling his blood as if, and spilling to me is kind of accidental he poured his blood out for us. He blood from the crown of thorns being placed on his brow. He bled from the beard being plucked out. He bled copiously from the beating with the cat of nine tails that often would kill the victim right there at the whipping. He bled from the nail holes in his hands and feet. 
And ultimately, the spear pierced his side, entering into the sack around his heart, and forthwith came blood and water, paying the price for it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So he took the cup and he gave thanks. Father, we give thanks for this symbol of your holy, precious, pure, undefiled, spotless blood shed freely, voluntarily, purposefully on that old rugged cross for each one of us. We don't deserve that kind of love. We don't deserve that kind of action from you. But we're eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, drink ye all of it. Let's stand together as much as possible. We're going to join hands across the aisle, the symbol of our unity, symbol of our love for the Lord, our togetherness in him. We're going to sing a verse of thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And, the choir, and they're going to lead us in that, right? the rest of the Lord's day. And I hate to do this after a communion service, but guys, if we can stack the chairs and get them out the patio. Gary, would you go get the dolly that's made for these chairs? It's on the patio. Yeah. And we'll move them out to the patio in stacks of maybe five or six tall. Thank you so much for being in God's